Welcome to the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug from London, Ontario, Canada. Current events, local, world news, and trending. This is Sunday at 10 a.m. Thank you for joining me. gentlemen and welcome to the show and it is going to be another sunny day here in southern Ontario here in the city of London I hope everybody so far has had uh, is having a good weekend um, today like yesterday is just a, just a beautiful day to get out there to go for a walk but, uh, you know, bear in mind, you know, we still got a social distance out there as we go out uh, on our journeys uh, to get the fresh air um, that we have been all longing for. And, you know, being this is the first weekend of springtime. Now, as things keep rolling along, um, things slowly opening up, small businesses, restaurants, um, more capacity in the food courts in, in, in all of our malls, indoor dining here in uh, London, Ontario. Uh, we are allowed up to 100 people in our bars and restaurants. Starting this weekend also for the city of Toronto in Mississauga and Brampton they are going to be allowed to open their patios for outdoor dining, but no indoor dining, which is really good news for them because like I said the other day, they have been in lockdown since the 23rd of November. And with the vaccines rolling out, and more vaccines pouring into this country from Pfizer and Moderna and other vaccines. As Canada goes from the, uh, uh, the, scarce, the scarcity to vaccinate and then the flood of vaccinations coming in, can we handle that challenge? Ottawa, Canada's long winter of the vaccine scarce. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Doug, here in London, Ontario, Canada. So just out here talking about um, as, we, as we're ramping up um, the vaccine campaign here in Canada, and with the flood of vaccines coming in, 
is this country up for the challenge? Now, being the the the, uh, the scarcity of of the vaccines of this long winter that we've just gotten through, and hopefully this this should mercifully come to an end by the next week with a global race for doses, another shortage could still derail the effort. Which that's something we don't want to see. We already had this shortage already and and now things are are ramping back up again. And this is where we need to get as many needles into the arms of people as we possibly can. Now, starting this week, Pfizer is set to deliver uh, approximately 1.2 million doses of its vaccine and then repeat it again in the final weeks. Hi, welcome to the show. In the final weeks of March, Moderna will deliver 846,000 doses of its shots next week, making it the first time Canada has received 2 million doses in a seven day span. The provinces are managing their own vaccine campaigns and targeting both seniors and people in vulnerable sectors, as well as the frontline workers. But to put those figures to context, the deliveries over the next two weeks should be more than enough to give a first dose to all of the roughly 3 million Canadians in their 70s in April with Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca shots that have been committed. Provinces could cover most of the people between the ages of 55 and 70. And Canada is still behind many Western countries. But the coming surge in vaccines that is expected to continue through the spring should get millions of people in this country at least their first doses of protection. You know, because Pfizer, back through this long winter that we've had here in Canada, had to upgrade a a facility in Europe which hampered our efforts here in Canada to get this vaccine campaign rolling and to keep it rolling. Now this ramp up is expected to continue through the spring. Pfizer has committed to delivering more than a million doses of vaccines every week through the month of May. Moderna is scheduled to deliver about 2 million in April and a total of 12.3 million before June. We have a population of about 37 and a half million people here in Canada. And Canada will also receive 1.5 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine and that'd be split between April and early May. And a deal with the United States announced Friday should be another 1.5 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine 
before the end of the month. Now what is now what has been a drought is 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 coming the flood. But that doesn't mean it is clear sailing from here. Now see what we're doing here in the province of Ontario is that like we like you know basically I mean we're going to be taking care of of our the most vulnerable people, the elders, nursing homes, retirement homes, people in their um, 80s to 90s or whatever the case may be who are living in their own homes, they will receive their first and second shots as scheduled. And then as we start moving down the age groups, people will be getting their first shots in the arms and then they'll have to wait 16 weeks to get their second shot. Welcome to the show, this old man. Now I take it that um, this guest on my show is a uh, podcaster chit chat with the old man i take it that's who you are it's a great show by the way that you have now the liberal government you know has been been hit in the press the house of commons and the polls for the slow pace of the rollout and you see of course of course, the critics are going to go after the government and blame them for the slow pace of the rollout. But the government was always stepping up and saying, hey, look, we are going to get these needles in the arms of all Canadians. And then by September, whoever wants to be vaccinated will be vaccinated. Even when we had that drought of vaccines, the government was still out there ensuring all Canadians that, that these vaccines are coming. And now they're coming in like a tidal wave. So I guess we can start proving these critics wrong. And of course, we're in a globally competitive environment. All countries want the same product. In our experience with supply chains in this pandemic, that the job isn't done until the product that we need is in this country. Well, just think about the supply chains. Think of how uh, on on an epic scale that the world is working on in order to get these vaccines out to their citizens. It's just mind-boggling. 
The government has consistently said, like I said, all Canadians will be fully vaccinated by September and is currently expected to have 118 million doses of vaccine in Canada by then, which would be enough to vaccinate all Canadians nearly twice over. So it looks like after all, we could potentially have in the spring in the summer like we did last year, except for the outdoor concerts, you know, um, any sporting events, or we're not going to have fans in the stands. And all the festivities that go around the city in the summertime, unfortunately, again, this summer, it's not going to happen, but we're still going to be able to, um, still going to be able to go golfing. We're still going to be able to go boating, you know, fishing, camping, go to the cottage. And as we get more people vaccinated, you know, we'll be able to have those family gatherings. We're still limited on that. We're still limited to, to, uh, having guests in the home it's only up to about 10 people 25 people in your backyard but not both at the same like 25 in the backyard and 10 in the house that you can't have both at the same time starting this weekend like i said at the beginning of the show our bars and restaurants here are now allowed to uh, up to a capacity of 100 people in in our restaurants and bars the city of Toronto and Hamil- or, or, sorry, Mississauga in Brampton. Um, that has been a region here in Ontario that has been in lockdown since November the 23rd. Starting this weekend, they are going to allow bars and restaurants to open their patios. for outdoor dining, but no indoor dining. And they are in the gray lockdown. Now, for the amount of the vaccines that are rolling in, this is actually, you know, really, it's really good news. You know, my parents, They live in a retirement home. They have been fully vaccinated. I'm relieved because in nursing homes and retirement homes around this country in Canada, at the beginning and the onset of this pandemic has been nothing but a disaster of these retirement homes and nursing homes being hit with COVID-19. It got it got so bad in some of the re, in some of these nursing homes that the military had to go in. Welcome to the other guests uh, uh, coming on to the show. But slowly over time, you know, they started to get control of this but it certainly was a black eye on our healthcare system 
here across Canada and here in Ontario. Now, much of the volume that we're receiving relies on Pfizer and Moderna, who manufacture their vaccines in Europe and countries on the continent have been increasingly agitated about vaccine shipments leaving their borders to go elsewhere. But we've purchased all these things, we've purchased all these vaccines, so they have to deliver. And we're also seeing vaccine nationalism take hold on various areas of the world, and in particular Europe, obviously, their concern rests there. Canada has also approved Johnson & Johnson's vaccine, and it has an order for 10 million of that one dose shot. Before the end of September, the government expects an additional 20 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine. We could be easily vaccinated by the end of September. But both these shipments are expected to come from the United States outside the 1.5 million doses approved for Canada just on Friday. And the Biden administration has, has insisted that vaccines made in the US stay there until Americans needs are fully met. And that's understandable with the population of the United States compared to Canada. And that how many people in the United States have become infected and how many people have died due to COVID-19, it's imperative that the needs are fully met in the United States and just like every other country. And we're pushing for delivery um, schedule for both of these vaccines in hopes to have it soon. But, you know, with what we have learned from the past, we need to be cautious. And one of the key lessons we all should take is that in a time of a crisis, where all countries in the world are seeking the same product, there are bound to be bumps in the road. And of course, critics jump right on top of those bumps and then start to blame the government and not the source. And the vaccine diplomacy has the potential to throw a wrench in Canada's vaccines effort, but the provincial rollouts is a big unanswered question as well. Provinces had problems with online booking systems, and in some weeks, vaccine doses have piled up in freezers rather than go, going into arms. How does that even happen? It seems to me that the, they, they, they come out with one plan and they say, this is the plan. We're going to follow this plan. Everybody's going to get 
um, get their shots in, 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 in the, the timeline of from the 21 to 30 days, you'd get your second shot and then have that, that blip where, you know, no vaccines coming in and then, you know, start to be flooded with vaccines and then working our way through our age groups and our vulnerabilities of, of people and then saying, oh no, we need to change this up. And now, like I said, once you get your first dose, you're going to have to wait 16 weeks for your second shot. We'll see what happens when all these vaccines start rolling in and what kind of changes they're going to make to these plants again. Because I'm sure they're going to look at it and, and start fiddling around with it and trying to do something else. And we can't keep doing that. We need to inoculate as many people as quickly as we possibly can, because even the top health officials here um, in Canada say we, we are entering a third wave of COVID-19. So we are in a race against time. The Ontario Premier insists that this province is ready and is missing only the federal supply. We have the ability to administer over 4.8 million doses per month. And again, that's a conservative figure, but in March, we've only received enough supply to do just over 1.6 million. The premier insisted this province has a plan that can move on a dime. If more supply arrives, moving the vaccine into more pharmacies and doctor's offices, but he goes on to say without consistency, the ups and downs can be a major logistical problem when the vaccine shipments slow down and that couldn't say it any better than that. We don't need any more logistical problems. We have to bring everything back down it's a massive, massive undertaking. Just the logistics on its own. And in British Columbia, on the west coast of Canada, said this week that the government has tried to keep a flexible approach through the early, earlier shortage of vaccines, and the province is, is set to start vaccinating people in their 70s next week. And when our supply was less certain in the month of January, we adopted to make sure we did not waver. This infectious and the disease and uh, specialist, he said he's confident that the provinces are ready 
He said, even with Ontario and small amounts of vaccines in January, it managed to vaccinate 15,000 people a day in long-term care homes, which comes with a lot of logistical challenges. He said, scaling up will be a challenge, but provinces are up to it. He pointed out Toronto has three mass vaccination sites now, but plans for nine when the vaccine supply increases, which is starting to increase now. So just the city of Toronto, you need to get these other vaccination sites up and going right now. It's the largest populated city in the province of Ontario. And this massive inflection point of turning a small trickle of vaccines into a flood is really coming at the tail end of March and into April. And stating the obvious, faster and more widespread vaccination equals earlier benefits. We are happy with where we are and no, of course not, but at least let's have a fair comparison and a fair conversation. But where we are with different parts of the province and different color code opening zones, And, you know, I, I talked a little bit uh, about, um, you know, over the past year in this country, we have lost over 10,000 small businesses. And that's a whole lot of people out of work too. Those people won't be returning to those jobs because those businesses don't exist anymore. We can't afford to go into a third wave. We can't afford to go into another lockdown. Now, the Pfizer Canada president he appeared before the the, uh, the Parliament Committee earlier this month and said Canada was among the early movers to sign a deal for vaccines, and we were. He said the government's initial contract had the first delivery scheduled in 2021, not late 2020, which ended up happening because the vaccine was approved more swiftly. And that's what, you know, same with the United States and other countries to get these vaccines approved and start getting them into the arms. Now our procurement officer, she says and believes the ability to get doses move forward was a success and one she hopes to continue. This is a volatile environment. The government has continued to weather the storm to ensure vaccines are coming into this country and are an increasingly accelerated basis. 
Our, our uh, negotiations with the vaccine suppliers continue there, continuing every day because we are always looking for accelerated deliveries on an ex uh, expedited basis. The other problem Canada has, and for, for decades, you know, and after every election, because, you know, they may change parties, who's going to be leading the country. Why didn't we start making vaccines decades ago? We have pharmaceuticals here in Canada, prescription drugs. So why not making vaccines? We, we, we rely on other countries for vaccines. We have to get the flu vaccines delivered here to Canada. Why are we not making this stuff ourselves? It took a pandemic for the government to say, yes, we are going to build this facility. It's going to be in Montreal, Quebec. But of course, that's going to take a lot of time to get up and going when we should have been doing this decades ago. And we certainly don't want to face another pandemic down the road. Once we get out of this one, whether it's 10 years, 50 years, 100 years, the world cannot sustain pandemics. So there's a whole lot of work out there, not just with getting vaccines in the air, but the people, the World Health Organization and governments around the world. You know, they, they, they work, you know, pretty hard to scave off pandemics. But unfortunately, this one was just bad luck. how it transmitted, how it started. I talked about it on, on one of my shows where if the individual who contracted this virus had stayed home and not went out to any markets, we would never probably even heard about COVID-19 only by chance, bad luck and only by chance. Patience is a virtue when it comes to getting people inoculated. I know 
We have grown tired. We have COVID fatigue. A lot of people out there are financially hurting. But the government here in Canada, you know, with with the with the benefit rollouts through um, the emergency recovery benefit and the EI continuing, and, and there's there's other benefits available for for all Canadians to help out. You know, in in the restaurant business. You know, not all people are, are going back to work. They're not at full-time hours. So they're still getting their um, employment insurance as well to help with the, with the bills and the rent or the mortgage or whatever the case may be. Schools at this point in time, they're going to remain open. They didn't get their March break in March. They're going to get their March break in April. And the reason why they did that is because they want to put a stop to non-essential travel. which we always had a travel advisory in this country since the onset of this pandemic. Whereas as winter started to approach, you know, Canadians like to go down south for the winter and they were, you know, it was strongly suggested not to travel. You couldn't cross the land borders and still right now you cannot cross the land borders between Canada and the United States. That has now been extended to April 21st, that the land border between Canada and the United States will be remaining closed to non-essential travel. But how did these Canadians cross the land border with their RVs? Well, they put them on transport trucks paid for them to have them delivered over into the United States, then flew to the airport, jumped in their RVs and drove to Florida and just snubbed the advisories. So as time rolled on, our government turned around and come up with more enforcement and stricter rules on returning to Canada. And that meant wherever you went, you would have to get a COVID-19 test, test negative before you got on your flight and you had to have proof. And now when you enter Canada, you have to take another COVID test, pay for that out of your own pocket quarantine in a hotel for three days while you wait for your results at your own expense. And that could be up to $2,000. 
And then those three days you test negative, you can go home and you quarantine for the remaining of the time. If you test positive, then you'll be placed in the government facility for the remainder of those 14 days. Now people have complained, Canadians have complained about coming back and have to jump through all these hoops. When you know that you shouldn't have been traveling in the first place. This is a community spread virus. People out there are asymptomatic, meaning they have the virus, they don't have any symptoms, but they're transmitting it to other people. It could be any one of us. Lockdowns don't happen. Lockdowns don't, don't, uh, um, make anything, anything easier for us. But we still have to, you know, be able to move forward and keep things open. So we still have the travel advisory, advisories in place. And the land borders between Canada and the United States are going to be re remaining closed until further notice. With the vaccines rollouts coming here to Canada and, and the campaign going on in the United States. Not this summer, but hopefully next summer, you know, we can all rejoice again and, and, and travel freely between both countries as we always did for shopping, for recreation, sightseeing, all the tourism things that we love to do between Canada and the United States. It's gonna be another summer where we have some American friends that come up to the same cottage as we go to. It's gonna be another summer that they unfortunately won't be able to make that trip north. Hopefully next year, we get to get together again. And hopefully things have, you know, things move along, you know, in, in like in for the United States, you know, things can start opening up a lot more. Schools can start opening up. You know, the, the spring is here. The summer's coming. You know, the more outdoor activities and everything that we always once and enjoyed. Hopefully, we can start doing all these things again. But like I say on my show, it is so imperative. And it's so important that we all do this together. It's not so hard to follow the rules. It's not so hard to wear a mask. It's not so hard to social distance. It's not so hard not to gather in large crowds.
we need to continue to do that even though the vaccines are rolling out. Until it is safe enough that we can actually just go right back to what we know what normal is. It's going to take all of us to do it. The United States has always been talking to Canada about reopening the border and maybe lifting some restrictions. One restriction may be on compassion. Because we have families that live on both sides of the border. People have relationships between Canada and the United States and they've been able to see one another. If that's something that we want, then it's something that we got to work hard to get back. Because Canada is not going to reopening its borders just because the United States asked us to. Our government here in Canada is going to protect all Canadians. And they're going to do it and take every single cautionary measures to implement the safety for all Canadians. And that's the way we are here in Canada. If the government said, oh, we're going to open the borders tomorrow. This country, Canadian citizens would just lose their minds. So that's not going to happen. It's really unfortunate. Because the tourism industry on both sides are really non-existent. You know, places like Niagara Falls, Canada, Niagara Falls, Buffalo. Springtime, summertime is the busiest time for that area. And there's nothing happening. They announced the other day, even for their own Canadian citizens, that that area is basically closed. One of the most tourist attractions between Canada and the United States is Niagara Falls. Another great place that people like to go shop is Port Huron, Michigan. shop and wine and dine and, and and do whatever. You know, in Sarnia, 
and the um the busiest international bridge and possibly in the world is the windsor detroit crossing now only open to essential travelers such as truck drivers and essential workers that cross over to work in the medical field in Detroit. Another popular place for Americans that I like to come shopping is into Windsor. And like I say, the whole tourism in industry has been decimated. Until things dramatically improve, not just here in Canada, but in the United States, our government is gonna keep that border shuttered. And that's why I say we all need to work together. We all need to do this together. So I'll leave you with that thought. I thank you for joining me this morning here on the Truckers Podcast. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a safe week. Take care, everybody, and thank you.